0: times when we're running, full of energy, and there are times when we kind of feel like we're crawling, or there are times maybe it feels like we're going backwards. Um, and I think that's why the Bible uses so much imagery of running and kind of movement and talks and race and training and all that sort of stuff. So in a sense, what I'm going, going to share this morning is not new, um, but I just felt God wanted to remind us of some of this stuff this morning. Um, not least, of all, we kind of come to the end of, I suppose, an academic term, and increasingly churches and often, particularly in a city like Bath, think in terms of academic years, some of you guys are finishing, have finished your degree. So you kind of come to an end of a three or four or maybe more for, for, for some of you. And that's a whole new chapter. So stick your hand up if you've finished your degree. This summer has seen you finish your degree. Nice and high for these two guys. Beth at the back. And I know there's a few who aren't here as well. So, so these guys, we particularly want to be praying with them. But also saying that family is forever, right? And sometimes that's a joy, <laughs> and sometimes less so. But family is supposed to be forever. And so even though these guys are leaving, maybe getting new jobs, maybe leaving the city, maybe staying, your family, wherever you go, whatever you do, and that's always going to be the same. Now, talking of journey, sometimes journeys are great and sometimes things are going brilliantly. Sometimes things are sometimes tricky and I want to speak a little bit about that this morning. And I'm going to show some videos this morning. A couple of um, hopefully inspirational videos. One that's less inspirational but just quite funny. Um, I was in um, uh, Kingswood School a couple of weeks ago speaking, no, a bit more than that, about a month ago, two months ago, time flies when you're having fun, with the sixth form. And I was talking just about life and and the challenges of life. Some of you have been around will have seen this years ago I showed it a while ago Um, what's life about how do we how do we get through life often for people it's about survival right gritting your teeth maybe trying to become rich trying to become famous trying to get whatever it is get whatever you can out of life Um, but often it feels like it's about surviving I think Jesus doesn't want us to just survive life or endure life I think life is about being an overcomer Jesus said I'll come and give you life and life to the full there are times, however, where it doesn't always feel like life's fully to the full. We're going along fine, enjoying life, and then things sometimes, yeah, just hit us, make life tricky. Let's run that first video, Bill. <laughs> so that's really all I want to say this morning. No. <laughs> but that's life, isn't it? You know, we think I'm going to grip my teeth, I'm going to survive, I'm going to survive, and suddenly. Maybe it's not a disco ball that drops out the sky and hits us, but there are things that come out of sideways that we don't see coming. Maybe it's redundancy. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's a relationship breakdown. And suddenly, the whole world thinks like it's thrown off axis. Or maybe we finish a degree and we have a really clear path, and then suddenly we're not so sure anymore. Or maybe we're in our spiritual journey and life's going really well, and then suddenly we have a crisis of faith. How do we respond in those times is really important. And I think it's also really important to talk about it and be really honest about it. For too long, the church has kind of created this sort of sense of culture where if you have a problem, don't share it. Or, you know, or, or I look at other people and they all seem so together and I couldn't share my problems because then I'd look like a real failure as a Christian. We want to be family. And in family, things sometimes go wrong. Sometimes we get hit by really big things. And we want to be a church where there is no sense of judgment or criticism or going, Oof, wow, that answer you did it. But if we're honest, I've been in churches where that has happened. Maybe not done so obviously, but under the surface. You know, going way back, I I remember being in churches where, you know, a single mum would walk into the church and everyone would take a step sideways, kind of a move away from them. Or in churches where there's been a terrible, terribly sad breakdown in in relationships and perhaps a marriage, and 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 because Christians don't know what to say, they don't say anything and they step away. And we have to think, what did Jesus do when confronted with breakdown, with with sadness, with pain, with hurt, with anger, with frustrations? What did he do? He seemed to take a step forward into relationship, into engagement, into journeying with that person. Because, of course, God doesn't want us to stay in that place of pain or hurt or confusion or brokenness. And there may be issues in our lives that we have to address. It may be issues of forgiveness or it may be issues of repentance or it may be issues of healing. But the great thing is that Jesus journeys with us through that to take us forward to another place, a place of breakthrough, because we're in a race. And the point of... The, the, the human race the life our life we're given it's it's not a sprint it's it's like a marathon and so sometimes we need to pace ourselves and sometimes that may maybe that god slows us down so i want to address this in your life that's why i think things like the father heart course that's often on, on offer is really helpful it's not introverted nasal gazing it's it gazing it's saying lord i'm taking this time out to offer my heart to you my life to you because i recognize there's some things in my life that are, are a bit broken there are some things in my heart that are a bit broken. And Lord, I want to give you this dedicated time to spend time with people who know you really are to listen with me and to pray with me and to help me journey so that I can become more whole, so that I can run the race. It's about spending time in his presence. It's about being in worship. It's about giving ourselves to a church community, not because services matter, but because the family of God matters, because we're all in this together. So we're journeying together. And Paul often talks about, not just running the race, but finishing the race. And I certainly, for one, I want to finish the race strong. I don't want to go crawling across the finishing line with kind of bloodied knees, exhausted, crawling into heaven. I want to come in running. But that means I need to be trained. That means, means I need to be fit. And it means I need to be ready to allow God to discipline me and train me and work through some of those things in my life. The story is told of two British gas servicemen, an older senior training supervisor and a young trainee straight out of college. And there's quite a lot of banter between this older and this younger guy. And they're checking meters in a suburban cul-de-sac. And they park their their van at the end of this cul-de-sac and they they work their way down, checking the meters, checking the connections, and they get to the final house right at the end of the street. And the woman's looking out as they're checking the meter. There's been lots lots of banter between these two, particularly the young training guy calling his mentor an old man. None of that happens in our church staff team here, Peter, does it. Um, There's lots of banter between them. And when they finish the last metre, the older guy says to the young guy, come on then, I'll race you back to the van and we'll see which one of us is really fit, which one of us is really the old man, which is the young one. So as they're sprinting along the lane back to the van, they realise that this lady from the last house is heaving and puffing right behind them. And they kind of stop and look at her and say, what are you doing? And she says, well, when I see two British gas engineers running away from my house, I run too. <laughs> the lady couldn't really figure out why she was running, but she thought it was probably a good idea to run. <laughs> and I, sometimes I wonder if we don't always quite know why we're running and what we're running and where we're running and what race we're in. There's a T-shirt I saw um, and on the front it says, I'm a nuclear scientist, I make atomic bombs. And on the back it says, if you see me running, you'd best try and catch me. Sometimes we find ourselves running, but we don't know quite what race we're in. And where does our faith enter into this race? What is it? Is it just hard work? Is it just exhausting? And what about the church? Not just us individually. What about us corporately together, running a race together? In Acts 20:24, 20, Paul says this, My only aim is to finish the race and complete, uh, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know, I think we live in a generation, don't we, in many ways, that's very throw things away, disposable. And if it's too hard, give up, give in, take the easy path. And that's not a new message. There's always the temptation to take the easy path, there's always the temptation to just. Dis- take the path of least resistance. You know, the enemy is in the background, constantly provoking us to just give up, give in. You hear that word, don't you? Give in. Ah, you can't do it. Just stop. You don't want to pray. Stop reading the Bible. It's just boring. It's hard. Right in Genesis 3.1, Satan's testing Adam and Eve. Did did God really say, do you you really have to do that? It doesn't matter, does it? It's all right. I love, many of you will have seen that Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ. it's not easy viewing in many ways is it but it is powerful it's not the kind of film you sit with a bunch of popcorn on a friday night and enjoy i remember watching it a few times and you kind of feel exhausted drained at the end but it is powerful and i think one of the really powerful sections is when he's in gethsemane do you know that bit when you have the enemy just drifting in and out the mist behind going you can't do it speaking to jesus when he's tested in the in kind of the garden, going, it's too much. You can't carry all this. You can't carry the sins of humanity. You can't carry the pain of the world. Just give up, give in. That's so often what he's like. And we end up stopping or limping. But God doesn't want us to give up, give in. He wants us to run, and he wants to help us. I'm going to read um, Philippians 3.13. Listen to this. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on forwards for the, prize, for the goal to win the prize which Jesus called me heavenward. Forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. Sometimes our past does hold us. I mean, our past can be great, can't it? It can be an inspiration and encouragement. But sometimes we live in the shadow of our past, the ghosts that haunt us from the past, things that are kind of constantly trying to pull us back. And there's something sometimes about saying, you know what, that was me, but I am a new creation, and God is refining and redeeming me. And I want to be a person who pushes ahead, not constantly being pulled back, backwards. God wants us to strain and push ahead. And he gives us the help to do that. It's really interesting, the Greek, katalambano is the word that's using for for, to lay hold of something until it becomes yours. That straining ahead to grasp what's ahead. And and there is something in us. It's got to be something within us that says, I'm going to not just settle, but I'm going to push ahead. I'm going to push into what God has has for me this year. The Amplified Bible says this, not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of to grasp to take hold of something until it becomes mine that's what that Greek word literally means and make my own that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own because that's the truth Christ has taken hold of you I know that's the type of thing church leaders say but you as an individual by name Christ has taken hold of you if you know him and love him if you made him own, so, he's taken hold of you and he's got a purpose and plan for your life Whoever you are, however old you are, he's got a purpose for your life which is unique. And you are not yet done. I'll tell you when you're done. When you stop breathing and he takes you home, then you're done. But until that moment, you're not done. He's got a purpose for you. And it's plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's not just a nice verse that Christians write in cards to each other. It's true. He's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. The reality is there's no retirement in the kingdom. Peter knows all about that, and Victoria, and Sue, and many of you here. <laughs> Martin, the the retirement, eh, well, kind of, it's just different, isn't it? But God isn't done with you, because there's a race he's got for you, and he's taken hold of you, almost to open up this plan of this race. He's saying, son, daughter, I've got this beautiful race I want you to run, and there's a goal I want you to press forward to, and I'll help you. But you've got to want to run it as well, run with me. That's what Paul seems to be saying. Paul's saying, you know, there's levels of the Christian experience that, that Paul's saying, I, I don't feel I've kind of really pressed into yet and caught hold of. He knows that there are higher mountains to climb. There's deeper valleys to explore. There's so much more. And if Paul's saying that, then it's got to be true for you and me. There's more. There's always more. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it will be difficult. But God is with us in it. God is working in you and me to reach his goal. Because he doesn't just leave us to it. Being confident of this, that he who begins a good work in you will carry on to completion. There's times when we feel like I'm, just, I'm really failing, I'm really struggling, it's not getting any better than this. Am I stuck permanently? No. You might feel like you've been stuck for a long time. Because God's patient and he's kind and we do go through times when it feels like we're in the wilderness and we don't know where we're going. But that's a promise and either God's a liar or not. He who begun a good work in you will carry on until completion. It's truth. He's not a liar. He will carry on until he's done. He didn't just begin a good work in you. He will finish it. So God is working on you and me. That's great news, isn't it? But we do see our part in that reaching the goal. Paul says, therefore I press on. So God's working in you and me and it's his work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our efforts. And yet weirdly... We have to choose to press on and sometimes press forward. Who here owns a pair of Nike trainers, he says, turning right at the traffic lights. Anyone got any Nike trainers? Anyone got any Nike trainers on? Oh, yeah. Come on, you cool kids, you. Um, Do you know what Nike or Nike, depends who you talk to, what it means? Anyone know? Come on, you Greek scholars. It's the Greek word for victory. It means victory or success, Nike. Um, we're about to hit back-to-back coverage of the World Cup. Some of you may be aware of this. We're going to actually, we're planning to show the foot. Do you want to stand up? We're planning on showing, as he's sent forward for England. No. Um, <laughs> we're planning on showing the um, match in the World Cup. Anything you want to say particularly about that? But we're, we're planning on, well, you can say. Yeah. So that's th- Thursday, Monday, Monday the 18th. The plan is we're going to sh- try and show the football here. Big, you know, Union Jacks. Well, England. England flag, actually. Um, well, the Scottish and the Welsh are allowed in. Come on, Mars. Um, you can cheer for England. Because the Welsh team are in the, fo- in the World Cup. Oh, no, they're not. That's fine. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're going we're to show that. So the World Cup's on. Every four years, the World Cup happens. My wife is convinced it happens more often than that, but it's only every four years. Yeah, four years, the Olympics, same thing, isn't it? Four, every four years, but in between. And there is something strange about right? We cheer for the team. We cheer for the team. Whether it's the Olympics, we cheer for our national team, don't we? And we it's a strange thing, isn't it, that when... People who are quite normal, suddenly when England win a match, which rarely occasionally happens, get incredibly patriotic and the Union Jack goes up and you get a swell of pride. It's a strange thing in many ways, isn't it? It's strangely moving, possibly. But all of us want our team to win. But probably few of us really understand the amount of energy, particularly in athletics, the energy and uh, the hard work that gets to get those guys there, the discipline that's there. And that's true for us in the Christian arena. Without the right training and discipline, victory is always sort of out of reach. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul gives us like his, you can imagine this is like the locker room speech to the guys just before they're about to go out on the pitch. And this is, this is to the church, this is to you and me, how to be winners. This is verse 24 to 27. Remember that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. So he's using all this imagery of race. It's interesting, the background, the backdrop to kind of this sort of writing is um, there was some games called the Isthmian Games, which were kind of like the equivalent to um, the Olympics, but they were held every two years, about 10 miles outside of Corinth. And so he had been writing to a bunch of people who were really familiar with the imagery of these games that would happen. And these games brought people from all across the Mediterranean. Every two years they would race or compete or watch, um, and it would draw the best... Talent from the empire, so it was a big thing. Foot races, um, jumping, whole different kind of jumping things, discus throwing, wrestling, boxing, gymnastics, and there were equestrian ones as well in it. And you would compete for a crown. It was a, <laughs> it was a wreath of. You'll never guess what it was a wreath of. Any ideas? Laurel, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Wild celery. <laughs> Funny lot the Greeks. Anyway, wild celery. was the the laurel wreath. I'm actually really serious. And it was a really big deal. Interestingly, the winners also received a lifetime exemption from paying taxes and serving in the military. If that's not an incentive to win, I don't know what is. Uh, They would also receive free tuition at one of the universities. And there will be statues of themselves all along the kind of road that led to the site of the Games for other people to look at. But apparently, genuinely, the real prize was this... um, celery wreath awarded to the winner. You wore it with pride. It was the big thing you kept. So here 1 Corinthians 9.25 again, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. I mean, wild celery. How long is that going to be? You can spray it with a bit of water. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And the image there is of getting this most spectacular winner's crown with jewels pressed into it and glorious. You know, not a one made of celery that you could stick on a salad. Something that's spectacular so that when we meet face to face with Jesus, we can take off our crown and put it at his feet saying, Jesus, this is all for you. More glory for you. We offer it to him as a life well lived. So I want a great, big, spectacular, jewel encrusted crown, not because I want a statue of myself and want exemption from taxes, although that would be nice. But I want a great crown so I can take it off and offer it to him, saying, Jesus, this is my life, best as I could live for you, because it's always for your glory. That's the glory of the church. And sometimes, as we saw in that silly video at the beginning, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes things are hard. Sometimes it's long, a long run to victory. Charles Spurgeon once said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. I really like that. (laughs) by perseverance the snail reached the ark and, you know sometimes it does go wrong and we don't minimize that here we really don't so some i know are really struggling some i know are really in pain some are limping some are crawling sometimes we of all that many of us here experience what it is to be crawling on bloodied knees on the race of life some of you will have heard of Derek Redmond. You may remember the older ones of us remember him. He was a retired British athlete. During his career, he held the British record, I think, for the 400 metres. He won gold um, medals in a 4x400 four relay um, at the World Championships, the European Championships. You know, when I was young, he was a kind of really up-and-coming, really great. We had a whole flock of great athletes, but Derek Redmond was one of those kind of athletes who was just always smiling, a real winner, great guy. But his career was also blighted by injuries, and he had to keep retraining and starting again, and he would be at the brink of something and then would start again. But he came to his peak of his fitness, and he came to the peak of his career, really, in 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. I don't know if any of you are old enough here to remember the Olympics Barcelona. I'm going to play you a video, which, if I'm honest, makes me cry pretty much often when I watch it, but see if you remember this. Since we're surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that distracts. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up, focusing on Jesus, the author of our goal and our faith. This is from the message. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. If you watch the actual video, the whole video of the Olympics, there's loads of people who try and stop him running on his own when he gets up. All the kind of jobs worth who say, no, the race is finished, you need to get off the track. And he ignores them. And then even better, when his dad comes alongside him and they all rush over and try and stop him, he pushes them all away. He says, no, my boy's going to finish this. He's going to finish. Don't tell him you can't stop running. Don't tell him we're not going to cross the line together. He's going to do this. It's it's really, really beautiful. Paul, through all of his letters, is urging, longing for the church to take its place in the purposes of God, to be a true agent of change and for us all to run, to run strong, because we carry the good news of Jesus. We're not called to be a club or a ghetto or a clique. We're called to be a family, a family who rallies to each other and runs with each other, and crawls with each other and holds each other because that's what the Father does. Eyes on the prize. A God-sized mission that He's calling us to. I want to finish um, with this. Just a few weeks ago, um, I watched, we as a family watched um, Chariots of Fire again. I watched it when I was a teenager. If you haven't seen it, they've done a kind of on iTunes, you can buy it. They've done a 30-year re-release digital version. It's just brilliant soundtrack. Okay, there's a freebie at the library reserved by Sarah, if anyone wants to watch it. on um, What format do they do it from the library? It's probably 8-track, is it, or something? Oh, it's DVD, it is. Okay, there we go so if you know the story it's based on a true story *Charity society it's based um on the 1924 paris olympics and it's a story really of two men eric Little, who's a christian and um and uh, um, abraham jacobs isn't it who's, uh, who's he's actually jewish and it's these two men are they're, they're kind of ones eric Little's from scotland and from quite a working class kind of background and he's a preacher in a very traditional kind of culture of brethren type churches really and then um Abraham's is—he's passionate about running, and he's a brilliant runner. Um, And he's at Cambridge with many of the kind of folks at the time who were um, really key in the Olympics of that year. And it follows their two lives, very different people, but kind of really honouring of both, but the challenges that they faced, and the years up to their respected individual gold medal um, attempts at the Olympics. One of the kind of—there's lots of iconic moments in the film. Um, but one of the reasons Lidl becomes so famous at the time, and in many ways was ridiculed by the press, had a really hard time, is that he, w- he was running the 100 metres, and he'd been through all the, all the finals, and he was, he was going to be the key guy for Britain. Uh, he was doing it in about 10 seconds, which at the time was staggering, really. And he was the man for the 100 metres, which was going to actually be competing against um, Abrahams, and Abrahams was a bit terrified of this. But the this semi-final they announced was going to be on, on a Sunday, And Lidl, um, as much of the country at that point, said, I I won't run on a Sunday. Sunday is a Sabbath. It's God's holy day. It's a day when I preach, a day when I go to church. I can't race and compete on that day. And the Olympic team went nuts and the press went nuts. And he said, look, I I love to run. I want to run. One of his famous words is, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I'm made to run. That's how God's made me. But I have to honor him because I believe he doesn't want me to do this. Um And he steadfastly refused to run on the Sabbath and really was harassed about it. Um, And so he decided he wouldn't. And so the Olympic, one of the other British athletes said, look, I'll step back and you can take my place in the 400 metres. Liddell wasn't a 400 metre runner, really. Um, That wasn't his background. He was a sprinter. But actually, they put him in the 400. It was really interesting because reports afterwards Um, said that he treated the 400 as a sprint as a 100 which had never really been done before so they asked him about it and he said this he said well i run the first 200 as hard as i can then the second 200 with god's help i run harder he said this i believe god made me for a purpose but he also made me fast and when i run i feel his pleasure let's just finish with this last clip Eric Little said this. It's been a wonderful experience to compete in the Olympic Games and to bring home a gold medal. But since I've been a young lad, I've had my eyes on a different prize. You see, each one of us is in a greater race than any I've run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. He went to China, many of you know, and became a missionary and actually died in a prison of uh, kind of prisoner of war camp and was known in the camp for his kindness, for his incredible um, faith and for the way he blessed and loved people there, was honored. I think he died about a few months before the camp was liberated and the war was over. But he went there and he ran the race and he ran it hard. He was actually, Winston Churchill got him a pardon so that he could be released. But he gave the pardon instead to a woman who was pregnant in the prison camp so that she and her child could be free, even though he had a family at home. He was a man who knew how to run, truly run. So I want to pray for us, that we can be inspired, and we, like Derek Redmond, can know there's a dad who comes alongside us and grabs hold of us when things have gone horribly wrong. I'm going to invite the band to come out. I was going to close just with a worship song or two, but let's just um, give God this moment and give him our hearts. Father, we thank you that you have created us to run. Lord, like I said last week, little children just run everywhere. Caleb runs everywhere because we're made to run. And when we're children, we run. Sometimes as we get older, we we get tripped up by life, by others, by circumstances, and things fall on us, and we get into survival mode. But we're made to run. And when we have fallen and we hurt you are the god who comes alongside even young men stumble and fall but those who hope in the lord those who look to you experience the father's embrace pushing all obstacles aside you come to join us on the track you come alongside us and you put our arm around your shoulders and you carry us and you tell us to keep running and you're the god who gives us strength So that we can soar on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. You're with us. So, Father, wherever we are this morning in our journey, in our race, would you help us? Lord, when we have just stopped and sat on the floor exhausted, thank you, Jesus, that you come and sit with us. And you love us. So, Holy Spirit, come and stir us, heal us, inspire us, and cause us again to run. May we honor you in all we say and do so that we can know your presence with us, as Eric did, Lord. Teach us to run. In step with your spirit to the rhythm of your grace, in the power of your spirit, for your glory, to achieve a crown that we can cast down at your feet with all adoration and worship to you, Jesus, our Lord, our sovereign King.